0: Hello, and welcome to the Word Theatre Short Story Podcast, your free weekly access to the best short stories read by great actors. My name is Cedaring Fox. I am Word Theater's founder and artistic director. March is Women's History Month, and today we are presenting a story by Amy Bender called Tiger Mending, which doesn't really have any historical significance whatsoever, but... In her writing, she demonstrates a freedom of consciousness for the creative process, and there's a strong femaleness about her work that I would like for all of us to celebrate today. This is ultimately a story about the relationship between two sisters, and it is read so beautifully by Cassidy Freeman. First, here's a little information about Amy Bender, a remarkable writer and a great human being. Amy Bender is the author of six books, The Girl in the Flammable Skirt, which was a New York Times notable book, An Invincible Sign of My Own, which was an LA Times pick of the year, Willful Creatures, which was nominated by The Believer as one of the best books of the year, The Particular Sadness of Lemon Cake, which won the SCIBA Award for Best Fiction and an Alex Award, The Color Master, a New York Times notable book for 2013, and her latest novel, The Butterfly Lampshade, which came out in July 2020 and was longlisted for the Penn Jean Stein Award. Her books have been translated into 16 languages. Her short fiction has been published in Granta, GQ, Harper's, Tin House, McSweeney's, The Paris Review, and, most importantly, has been heard at a number of live word theater events. And now here is Cassidy Freeman to read Tiger Mending.
1: Hi, I'm Cassidy Freeman, and I got to read Amy Bender's story, Tiger Mending. This story is filled with so much imagination, connection between women, loyalty and love. Its creativeness jumped right off the page as soon as I read it. And it's one of my favorite things I get to do as an actor is to read for word theater. Word theater brings words to life in a way that just can't happen on the written page. I'm so glad that I met Cedaring Fox and I'm so glad that I get to share this story with you. My sister got the job. She's the overachiever, and she went to med school for two years before she decided she wanted to be a gifted seamstress. What, they said on the day she left? A surgeon, they told her. You could be a tremendous surgeon. But she said she didn't like the late hours. (laughs) She got too tired around midnight. She has motor skills better than a machine. She'll fix your handkerchief so well, you can't even see the stitches. Like, she became one with the handkerchief. <laughs> I once split my lip jumping from a tree, and she sewed it up with ice and a needle she'd run through the fire. And <laughs> never even had a scar. Just the thinnest white line. So of course, when the two women came through the sewing school, they spotted her first. She was working on her final exam, a lime colored ball gown with tiny diamonds sewn into the collar. And she was fully absorbed in it, constructing infinitesimal loops while they hovered with their severe hair and heady tree smell. Like bamboo, my sister said, watching her work. My sister's so steady. She didn't even flinch. But everyone else in the class seized upon the distraction, staring at the two Amazonian women, both six feet tall and strikingly beautiful. When I met them later, I felt like I'd landed straight inside a magazine ad. At the time, I was working at Burger King as block manager. There were two on the block. And I took any distraction offered me and used it to its hilt. Once, a guy came in and ordered a Big Mac, and I spent two days telling that story to every customer, and it's not a good story. (laughs) There's so rarely any intrigue in this shabberdash world of burger warming that you take what you can get. But my sister was born with supernatural focus, and the two women watched her and her alone. Who can compete? My sister's won all the contests she's ever been in, not because she's such an outrageous competitor, but because she's so focused in this gentle way. Why not win? Sometimes it's all you need to run the fastest or play the clearest piano or to ace the standardized test, pausing at each question until it has slid through your mind to exit as a penciled-in circle in low, sweet voices. They asked if she'd like to see Asia. She finally looked up from her work. Is there a sewing job there? They nodded. She said she'd love to see Asia. She'd never left America. They said, well, it's a highly unusual job. May I bring my sister? She asked. She's never traveled either. The two women glanced at each other. What does your sister do? She's a manager of the Burger Kings, down on Fourth. Their disapproval was faint, but palpable, especially in the upper lip. She would simply keep you company. What we're offering you is a position of tremendous privilege. Aren't you interested in hearing about it first? My sister nodded lightly. It sounds very interesting, she said, but I cannot travel without my sister. This is true. My sister, the one with the incredible focus, has a terrible fear of airplanes. Terrible, incapacitating. The only way she can relax on a flight is if I am there because I am always, always having some kind of crisis and she focuses in and fixes me and forgets her own concerns. I become her ripped hemline. (laughs) In general, I call her every night and we talk for an hour, which is 45 minutes me, and 15 minutes of her, stirring her tea, which she steeps with the kind of Zen patience that would make Buddhists sit up in envy, and then breathe through their envy, and then move past their envy. (laughs) I'm really, really lucky that she's my sister. Otherwise, no one like her would give someone like me the time of day. The two Amazonian women, lousy with confidence, with their ridiculous cheekbones, in these long yellow print dress, I met them later, said, Okay. They observed my sister's hands, quiet in her lap. Do you get along with animals? They asked. And she said, Yes. Yes. She loved animals, all animals, without exception. Do you have allergies to cats, they asked. And she said, no. She was only allergic to pine nuts. (laughs) The slightly taller one reached inside her dress pocket, a pocket so well hidden inside the fabric. It was like she was reaching into the ether of space. And from it, her hand returned with an airplane ticket. We are very happy to have found you, they said. The additional ticket will arrive tomorrow. My sister smiled. I know her. She was probably terrified to see that ticket, and also really wanted to return back to the diamond loops. She probably wasn't even that curious about the new job yet. She was and is stubbornly mind-numbingly interested in the present moment. As kids, I used to come home, and she'd be at the living room window. It was the best window in the apartment, and looked out in the far distance on the tip of a mountain. For years, I'd try to get her to play with me, but she was unplayable. She stared out that window, never moving, for over three hours. By night, when she'd returned, I'd usually injured myself in some way or another. And I asked her about it as she tended to me. She said the reason she could pay acute attention now was because of the window. It empties me out, she said, which scared me. No, she said to my frightened face. And she sat on the edge of my bed and ran a washcloth over my forehead. It's good. She said, It makes room for other things. Me? I asked with hope. And she nodded. You. We had no parents by that point. They had died at the hands of surgeons, which is the real reason my sister stopped medical school. That night, she called me up and told me to quit my job, which is what I'd been praying for for months that somehow I'd get a magical phone call telling me to quit my job because I was going on an exciting vacation. (laughs) I threw down my BK apron, packed, and prepared as long an account as my life complaints as I could. On the plane, I asked my sister what we were doing, what her job was, but she refolded her tray table and said nothing. Asia, I said. What country? She stared out the porthole. It was the airplane that told us as we buckled our seat belts. We were heading to Kuala Lumpur, straight into the heart of Malaysia. Wait, where's Malaysia again? I whispered, and my sister drew a map on the napkin beneath her ginger ale. During the flight, I drank Bloody Marys while my sister embroidered a doily. Even watching her work seemed to soothe the other passengers. I whispered all my problems into her ear, and she returned them back to me in slow sentences that did the work of a lullaby. My eyes grew heavy. During the descent, she gave the doily to the man across the aisle, worried about his ailing son, and the needlework was so elegant that it made him feel better just holding it. That's the thing with handmade items they still have the person's makers mark on them and when you hold them you feel less alone this is why everyone that eats a whopper leaves a little more depressed (laughs) than they were when they arrived nobody cooked that burger (laughs) When we arrived, a friendly driver took us to a cheerful green hotel where we found a note on the bed telling her to be ready at 6 a.m. sharp. It didn't say I could come, but bright and early, scrubbed and fed, we faced the two Amazons in the lobby who looked scornfully at me and my unsteady hands. I sort of pick at my hair a lot and asked my sister why I was there. Can she watch? She asked, and they said they weren't sure. She, they said, might be too anxious. I swear, I won't touch anything, I said. This is a private operation, they said. My sister breathed. I work best when she's nearby, she said. Please? And like usual, it was the way she said it. In that gentle voice that had a back to it. They opened the car door. Thank you, my sister said. They blindfolded us for privacy's sake <laughs> and we drove for over an hour through winding screeching roads, parking finally in a place that smelled like garlic and fruit. In front of a stone mansion, Two more women dressed in printed robes waved as we removed our blindfolds. These two were short, delicate, calm. They led us into the living room, and we hadn't been there for ten minutes when we heard the moaning. A bad moaning sound, a real bad, real mournful moaning coming from the north, outside, that reminded me of the worst loneliness, the worst long, lonely night. The Amazonian with the short shining cap of hair nodded. Those are the tigers, she said. What tigers, I said. Shh, she said. I will call her Sloan for no reason except that it's a good name for an intimidating person. Sloan said, shh. Quiet now. She took my sister by the shoulders and led her to a wide window that looked out onto the land, as if she knew instinctively how wise it was to place my sister at a window. Watch, Sloane whispered. I stood behind. The two women from the front walked into our view and settled on the ground near some clumps of ferns. They waited. They were very still-minded, like my sister. That stillness of mind, that ability I will never have to sit still, that ability to have the hands forget they are hands. They closed their eyes, and the moaning I'd heard before got louder. And then, in the distance, I mean, way off, The moaning grew louder, almost unbearable to hear, and limping from the side lumbered two enormous tigers, wailing as if they were dying. As they got closer, you could see that their backs were split open, sort of peeled as if someone had torn them in two. The fur was matted, and the stripes hung loose like packing tape ripped off their bodies. The women did not seem to move, but two glittering needles worked their way out of their knuckles, climbing up out of their hands, and one of the tigers stepped closer. I thought I'd lose it. (laughs) He was easily four times her size, and she was small. A tiger's snack. But he limped over in his giantness and fell into her lap. Let his heavy striped head sink to the ground. She smoothed the stripe back over. And the first moment she pierced his fur with the needle, those big cat eyes dripped over with tears. It was very powerful It brought me to tears, too. Those expert hands, as steady as if he were a pair of pants while the tiger's enormous head hung to the ground. My sister didn't move, but I cried and cried, seeing those giant, broken animals resting in the laps of the small, precise women. It is so often surprising who rescues you at your lowest moment. When our parents died in surgery, the jerk at the liquor store suddenly became the nicest man alive and gave us free cranberry juice for a year. What happened to them? I asked Sloane. Why are they like that? She lifted her chin slightly. We do not know, but they emerge from the forests, unpeeling, more and more of them, always torn at the central stripe. Do they ever eat people? No, not so far, she said, but they do not respond well to fidgeting, she said, (laughs) watching me clear out my thumbnail with my other thumbnail. Well, I'm not doing it. (laughs) You have not been asked. They're so sad, said my sister. Well, wouldn't you be if you were a tiger, unpeeling? Sloan put a hand on my sister's shoulder. When the mending was done, all four women and beasts sat in the sun for at least half an hour, tiger's chest heaving, woman's hands clutched in its fur. The day grew warm. In the distance, the moaning began again and two more tigers limped up while the first two stretched out and slept on the ground. The women sewed the next two and the next. One had a bloody rip across its white belly. After a few hours of work, the women put their needles away. The tigers raised themselves up and, without any lick or acknowledgement, walked off deep into that place where tigers lived. The woman returned to the house. Inside they smelled so deeply and earthily of cat that they were almost unrecognizable. They also seemed lighter, nearly giddy. It was lunchtime. They joined us at the table, where Sloane served an amazing soup of curry and prawns. It is an honor, said Sloane, to mend the tigers. I see said my sister. You will need very little training since your skill level is already so high. But my sister seemed frightened in a way I hadn't seen before. She didn't eat much of her soup and she returned her eyes to the window, to the tangles of fluttering leaves. I would have to go find out, she said finally, when the chef entered with a tray of mango tartlets. Find out what? Why they unpeel, she said. She hung her head as if she was ashamed of her interest. You are a mender, said Sloane gently, not a zoologist. I support my sister's interest in the source, I said. (laughs) Sloane flinched every time I opened my mouth. The source, my sister echoed. The world has changed, said Sloane, passing a mango tartlet to me, reluctantly, which I ate pronto. It was unlike my sister to need the cause. She was fine, usually, with just how things were, but she whispered to me as we roamed outside, looking for clues which we found none. She whispered that she felt something dangerous in the unpeeling, that she felt... She would have to know about it in order to sew the tiger suitably. I'm not worried about the sewing, she said. I'm worried about the gesture I place inside the thread. I nodded. I'm a good fighter, is all. I don't care about thread gestures, but I am willing to throw a punch at some tiger asshole if need be. We spent the rest of the day outside, but there were no tigers to be seen. Where they lived was somewhere far, far off, and the journey they took to arrive here must have been the worst time of their lives. Ripped open like that, suddenly prey to vultures or other predators when they were usually the ones to instill fear. We slept that night at the mansion in feather beds so soft I found them impossible to sleep in. Come morning, they had my sister join the two outside, and I cried again, watching the big tiger head at her feet while she sewed with her usual stillness. The three together were unusually productive, and sewn tigers piled up around them. But instead of that giddiness that showed up in the other women, my sister grew heavier that afternoon and she said she was sure she was doing something wrong. Oh no, said Sloane, serving us tea. You were remarkable. I am missing something, my sister said. I am missing something important. Sloane retired for a nap, but I snuck out. I had been warned, but really, they were treating me like shit anyway. I walked a long distance, but I'm a sturdy walker, and I trusted where my feet went. And I did not like the sight of my sister staring into her teacup. I did not like the feeling it gave me of worrying. Before I left, I sat her in front of the window and told her to empty herself. And her eyes were grateful in a way I was used to feeling in my own face but was not accustomed to seeing in hers. I walked for hours, and the wet air clung to my shirt and hair. I took a nap inside some ferns. The sun was setting, and I would have walked all night, but when I reached a cluster of trees, something felt different. There was no wailing yet, but I could feel the stirring before the wailing which is almost worse. I swear I could hear the dread. I climbed up a tree and waited. I don't know what I expected. People, I guess. People with knives cutting in. I did not expect to see the tigers themselves, jumpy, agitated, yawning their mouths beyond wide, the wildness to their eyes. And finally, the yawning so large and insistent that they split their own back in two. They all did it, one after the other, as if they wanted to peel their own fur off their backs and then, amazed at what they'd done, the wailing began. One by one, they left the trees and began their slow journey to be mended. It left me with the oddest, most unsettled feeling. I walked back when it was night, under a half moon, and I found my sister still at the window. They do it to themselves, I whispered to her. And she took my hand. Her face lightened. Thank you, she said. She tried to hug me, but I pulled away. No, I said. And in the morning, I left for the airport.
0: you've enjoyed tiger mending by amy bender always we'd like to give a big shout out to la county department of arts and culture for your support of this podcast as always thanks for tuning into the word theater short story podcast thank you jonathan sachs for composing our theme music and thank you to our podcast editor jason lee in philadelphia this is cedaring fox in los angeles until next week signing off